We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. You don't welcome me, Kyle. I welcome you. That's the way this works. You were gone. I was here. I welcome you. But hey, we're <laughs> two days away from the NFC Championship game with the Green Bay Packers playing in the NFC Championship game, trying to win the NFC Championship and representing the <laughs> NFC in the Super Bowl. That is incredible. Right that, last year, we were talking about the draft already. I'm so far behind in draft preparations because we were just having way too much success uh, to care about the offseason yet. This is pretty incredible. It's so cool. And um, Lambeau Field was absolutely rocking on Sunday night. I got to spend a little bit of time before the game with my brother, two of my nephews, one of my nieces. And they were experiencing the playoff atmosphere in Lambeau. I got to meet up with uh, Jersey Al Andy Herman got to meet for the first time Maggie Loney, who is absolutely wonderful. Uh, Sanjay Murthy and Peter Bukowski, both from other podcasts that we shall not name here. And uh, my friend, 
And I absolutely screamed until we went hoarse with the Packers on defense. Sometimes we started cheering before the officials had even started the play clock. By by the time Preston Smith sacked Russell Wilson, I literally could not make a noise anymore. And I was just so excited. I just two hands slapped my friend in the chest and then I headbutted him. <laughs> I don't know why, Kyle. I was just very excited. And, oh, yeah, I got to meet Dusty Evely, and he, as he said yesterday on the show, crashed at my place after the game. It, it wasn't that kind of, like, onesie pajama sleepover that I had anticipated, but, man, he is just as knowledgeable as I would have guessed he was. We, I, I started rewatching the game from the TV broadcast when I got back and then Dusty joined me for the second half and I got like no sleep going into Monday morning. Um, But one more quick point. There have been some fan videos that have surfaced and Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur both mentioned it after the game, but there was a timeout when they played Blitzkrieg Bop and had all the fans waving the towels that they handed out before. And I remember just like swinging my towel around and singing along. And then like 15 seconds in, I just looked around the stadium and I I swear it was like football nirvana. I, I had some very memorable moments at Lambeau over the years. And that one is right at the top of the list. It was exhilarating. It was exhausting. But now we have to move on to the next game somehow. Somehow. I just have a stupid smile on my face right now just hearing you talk about that. Um, and imagining what it would have been like to be there in person, being at Lambeau earlier this fall was an incredible, incredible experience for me. But adding a playoff element to that, what a deal to be a part of. I'm super jealous. Uh, I actually watched this game from an Orlando hotel lobby uh, because the wonderful winter weather that the Midwest was experiencing last weekend, um, or maybe a little bit less than we thought, but that actually canceled my flight back to the Midwest. So I was forced to enjoy a couple of extra days in the sun and take in the Packers game from Florida. And I do have to say, this is a big deal. The Packers are now 2-0 in games that I have watched from hotels in Orlando. Uh, The other game, was the game in which Brett Favre tore apart the Oakland Raiders after his dad passed away. So I'm thinking that anytime the Packers have a big game, they should probably just fly me to Orlando. That seems like a pretty reasonable request. Um, But Andrew and I are here today uh, for another round of key matchups and X-Factors because we want to see what big matchups and what individual players are going to play a big role in determining the outcome of this Sunday's huge, huge game against the 49ers. So let's start um, with the offense, Andrew. What what matchup is going to have your attention when the Packers have the football on Sunday? Every single week, I try to find something creative that will make the difference when the Packers are on offense. And I'm usually kind of in the right ballpark. Maybe it's not the right player, but this is foot or this is playoff football, right? Like it's just different. This is a San Francisco team that like gut punched Green Bay in November, and there's only one matchup to watch for me. It's Aaron Rodgers, period. Not versus the pass rush, not versus the coverage, versus the world. You, <laughs> you, you want to doubt one of the greatest to ever lace up the football cleats? Do it. I'm not going to. This this dude strives for big games. He was phenomenal last week, and I think he'll be even better this week. So I was reminded. I, I don't know why this game stuck in my head, but on October 1st, 2001, Brett Favre shredded the Baltimore Ravens defense for 337 yards and three touchdowns. And that was a Ravens team coming off a Super Bowl win with one of the top defenses in NFL history. But 
Favre was better than them. He picked up his blockers when they made mistakes by getting the ball out quickly. When his receivers were covered, he fit the ball into places that they had to catch. And and the defense, quite frankly, had no shot at them. And he found every tiny hole the defense left in their coverages. I remember coming into that game thinking the Packers are going to get blown out. That wasn't even a very good Green Bay team, honestly. And Favre just carried them to victory because great players rise to the occasion. And I fully expect that out of Aaron Rodgers. No excuse that that he didn't have enough time to throw. No excuses that no one was open. I expect that number 12 is going to elevate his teammates to that level. And I, I don't mean like expect in the idiotic fan, like you better play well sort of way. I, I expect that greatness that oozes out of Rodgers and his d- determination to win another championship is going to carry him to that level. And yeah, that's me being a homer. Call me out. Cool. I'm fine with it. Quite frankly, I don't care. This is to go to the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I think he's going to step his game up like he so often does in these situations. Absolutely. The reality is that Packers fans of everyone, I mean, anybody should know this, but Packers fans in particular should know exactly what Rodgers is capable of. And that is exactly what we saw against the Seahawks. And that's exactly the level of play that we should be anticipating in this coming game. If you've listened to any of the press conferences this week, you know how much these next two games, yeah, that's right, I said it, two games, uh, mean to Rodgers. And you know he's going to come more than prepared. And the fact that so much of the media seems to think that Rodgers isn't the Rodgers of old will only add fuel to that fire. And we know that Rodgers is a conservative player. This is just kind of in his DNA. But we also know that he is most dangerous when he's got his back to a wall. And there's no pressing, no more pressing of a situation than a win or go home playoff game. And so I'm totally with Andrew here. Again, call us homers. But I fully expect the best version of Rodgers to show up on Sunday with a really big chip on his shoulder to boot. Uh, But my pick here is almost painfully obvious, Andrew. I'll be watching the Packers' offensive tackles against the 49ers' pass rush. Uh, In Week 12, the Packers played most of the game against San Fran without Brian Balaga and with Alex Light as your starting right tackle. And this obviously did a lot to collapse the Packers' offensive success and really you know, compromise their game plan in general. And so with Balaga back for this matchup, I want to see how effectively they can slow the Niners pass rush because Nick Bosa is absolutely a force and he'll make his presence known for sure. But San Francisco also has D Ford back from injury and Buckner and a host of really a ton of other disruptors. So I want to see just how well the Packers tackles can play in this game, because if they can have One of their best outings of the year, which really doesn't even mean taking the pass rush out of this game. It just means allowing, uh, not allowing it to wreck the game. That's really kind of where we're at. Uh, This could be enough to tip the scale in the Packers' direction. And this is certainly a tough task. No one's saying it's not. Uh, But if I'm going to pick a duo of tackles to attempt it, I think that Bakhtiari and Balaga are as good as any pair in the league to do this. And I think that would be absolutely huge for this team and the Packers' chances on Sunday. So that that jogs my memory to something. The one team that gave the 49ers fits all year was the Seahawks. And every time the Packers play Seattle, I have to kind of retrain my brain to not cause me to shout out, like, why can't they get to the quarterback? Um And the Packers did a really good job of getting there eventually against Wilson last Sunday, but they they run so many seven and eight 
man protection. So I'm I'm super curious if Matt Lafleur would try to break some of those out in this game. I, you know, I'm I'm expecting to see some creativity, maybe some read option, uh, definitely quick screens, jet sweeps, maybe even a trick player to to throw some of these pass rushers off the game. But modeling that after Seattle, I mean, do you think that they would even maybe try something crazy like? throwing out, uh, you know, an extra offense alignment, trying to go six six on the line for extra pass pro? It would definitely be a really interesting thing to see. Um, I was telling you earlier that I felt like it kind of feels like this is a short week, and I know that, like, this game just feels like it's coming at us really fast. It just depends on, like, what the Packers feel like they have time uh, to work on and those kinds of things. But with all the healthy offensive linemen, in contrast to what we had going on last week, it would be really interesting to see if they were able to throw something at, you know, the 49ers that they hadn't seen before. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously Jared Valdir is playing very well, um, throwing him out there. That, that, that's not something that, I mean, it's, it's definitely something we saw in Tennessee with LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. And so, you know, I, it would be interesting to see if they would throw Valdir out, not only to boost the running game, which obviously it would do, but then that adds an extra layer. Um, it's an extra guy that uh, Nick Bosa has to run around. If you're going to double team him, with a tight end anyways, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I know they do a lot of chipping and, and um, other things, but if, if you're going to just truly double team him, why not throw your, your best blocker in there, right? Like I know Mercedes Lewis is, is, is a great blocker, but uh, he's not a tackle. And so that that would be interesting. One other thing that I wanted to mention, I know this isn't necessarily offensive related, but getting a third manageable is such an important factor. But then on top of that, J.K. Scott being consistently – emphasis on consistent great (laughs) throughout this game is going to be really important we need week one Chicago Bears JK Scott we absolutely do that would be huge in this game we need that consistency and we're going to talk about a few more uh, let's say special teams uh, players later in this episode I think as well because I think that's going to be a big story of this game in general is how well the special teams unit can support this team Uh, but let's go ahead and Let's just go ahead and turn our our attention to the defensive side of things. We know the offense is going to have a lot of things that they're going to need to show up with on Sunday. They're going to hopefully show up with some creativity. They're going to need to find a way to sustain drives and put some points up on the board. Uh, A lot of that is going to hinge on Aaron Rodgers putting a great great performance together, as Andrew has said. Uh, But the big deal is here, the defense has really carried this team quite a bit this season. Uh, So let's go ahead and look at them and see what they need to do this week as they play the 49ers. Yeah, so two weeks ago, I gave you the Drew Brees weather-related stats. Last week, you weren't here, but I talked about the Russell Wilson weather-related stats. Weather's not going to be an issue in San Fran, probably, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't think Safe that's bet. something. I, we're certainly not worried about below freezing temperatures. But I did want to throw some different statistics at you about Jimmy Garoppolo. So these are the three losses that San Francisco has this year. First game against the Seahawks, Jimmy G goes 24-46, oof, uh, 248 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not great. Uh, against the Ravens, he goes 15-21, good completion percentage, not a lot of attempts. 165 yards, ugh, okay, and 15 completions, one touchdown, no picks. Against the Falcons, he goes 22-34, again, not a great completion percentage, 200 yards, 
one touchdown, no interceptions. So let's just take that Ravens game as an aberration because I feel like the the 49ers, A, were able to run the ball really, really well in that one. So so Jimmy didn't have to throw much anyways. Um, and also the Ravens controlled a lot of the clock there. But 34 and 46 pass attempts in the other two losses. And, and the assumption would be the 49ers were behind in those games, but actually they had the lead in both. The, the similarity in those two matchups were that the running game was not very effective and they forced Garoppolo to pass. And here's a hot take for you. Jimmy G is a super mediocre quarterback. The the Packers are going to have to show that they can stop the run, right? Like you, you can't just throw everybody at it because George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders will kill you. But they have to show they can stop the run, force Kyle Shanahan to be predictable, or, or get into predictable situations. And then, of course, they have to get off the field on third down. So my key matchup here is going to be Kenny Clark versus the interior offensive lineman. That's Lakin Tomlinson, Ben Garland, and Mike Person. I know the 49ers run a lot off the tackles, but Clark getting pushed up front against the run is really going to disrupt what San Francisco is trying to do. I'm just mad because you're the guy talking about Kenny Clark right now. I know you just said a whole lot of things. But honestly, Kenny Clark is kind of my deal, and I always talk about him on the show. So um, I'm a little bit upset. He's my guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's 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 the problem with me going first, isn't it? Uh, basically, I just picked him <laughs> so I could tell everybody that Jimmy G is not very good. He's really just Kirk Cousins. But instead of being someone with a terrible personality nobody wants to be friends with, he's a really handsome guy with a terrible personality. So people <laughs> like him for some reason. But, but Kenny Clark is actually really important to stopping the 49ers. Um, we've seen time and time again, Mike Patton doesn't want to commit extra resources to stopping the run. So that's going to leave a pretty heavy burden on a young Mr. Clark's shoulders. But uh, if anybody's able to handle that, it's Kenny Clark. Absolutely. I'm just glad that you uh, you gave him some props and paid him the respect that he's due. So uh, Kenny Clark, obviously, you know, that's going to be huge. Playing the, the the run like that, if they're able to get that push in the middle, is going to be a big piece of this. And when Kenny Clark has disrupted games, um, you know, we typically see that go really well for the Packers and the other pieces of that defense. So uh, solid point. It's really mad that you stole my guy. But if I can't talk about Kenny Clark... I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna have to pick multiple players here to replace him. Um, I think multiple players is exactly what's going uh, to be needed to slow down George Kittle. It is no secret that Kittle is a dominant player at the tight end position, and it is also no secret that Kittle killed the Packers when the two teams met earlier this season. And I think the Packers' pass rush will help limit the success that Jimmy G can have in getting the ball to his receivers downfield in this game. But I'm a little bit nervous about the middle of the field and Kittle and the damage that he can do there. Martinez has been playing some really good football recently, and they're going to need uh, him probably combined with a lot of help from the safeties to contain that former Iowa tight end and Kittle. And I'm even more curious if the Packers maybe even make some serious personnel changes to handle Kittle because they know how valuable he is to this team and how much it will change the offense if they're able to at least limit his impact. Uh, But it's definitely something I'm going to be keeping a big um, eye on in this game. Kyle, 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 Kyle. Can, can we talk about George Kittle a little bit? Can we talk about this man? You want to talk about George Kittle more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, this is a guy who almost certainly wears an ACDC shirt under his jersey. 
And by looking at his hair, I'm guessing he smells like a raccoon fell into a trash can and couldn't get out for the whole month of July. Like, his facial hair is the equivalent to a ninth grader whose parents are too in denial about their little boy to teach him how to shave. And he celebrates like you watch a lot of YouTube videos of Gronk, but has zero charisma, so he can't actually pull it off. Like, he's a great tight end, but his career is destined to last six seasons and be ended by a series of catastrophic injuries because he plays like an idiot, which I'm sure a bunch of people who want the game played like it used to be absolutely love, (laughs) while they can no longer see the color green because of all the head trauma they sustained. But I'm not done, Kyle. I'm not done. Oh, no. How about Nick Bosa? Like, I'm super glad this dude is good at football because if you have ever heard either of the Bosa brothers talk, like, they were not getting into a Big Ten university on their ACT scores. I Like, I'm just saying, Nick Nick Bosa's favorite books are probably, like, the Curious George series. And that dude took two pretty terrible cheap shots at different Viking players at the end of the week. So I can pretty much guarantee if this is going to be a close game, he's coming after Rodgers head or his knees he is a total scumbag and speaking of and anahan not find a hat that has an appropriately sized logo like what is that it's like someone was editing the logo and accidentally scaled it down 75 percent before they sent it to print and like bend the brim of your hat man you're an adult (laughs) you're in charge of a football team between him and jimmy g standing on the sideline the 49ers are like every terrible frat party that i've ever been to like i'm i'm just saying make sure your gatorade bottles are in your sight at all times with those two roaming the sidelines and george kittle is probably over there like crushing cans on his forehead like, the, the 49ers had to build a new stadium so people forget that their fans tried to murder opponents' fans in the parking lot of their old one. It is a dumpster organization, and I can't wait until they're back to 4-12 and 12 in three years. And George Kittle is going to be hard to stop this week. He's, he's actually a really good player. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I've been saving that up all season. Well, at least since November. Um... There is so much uh, that could be unpacked with what you just said. Um, there are people trying to drive to their places of employment, man. Like, bless them. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway here is that Andrew is hyped and is taking no prisoners. And honestly, that Andrew has very little respect for Curious George, which is unfortunate. It's a it's a fantastic children's book, but um, let's. Let's talk about some football, man. Um, you, that's that's a lot. Um, those are our key matchups for this week that we'll be paying attention to, and so much more that was brought to you by Andrew Mertig. Uh, but let's talk about uh, some X Factor players. An X Factor player, by definition, is someone that we generally just don't see coming. Uh, but this is a player that we think that maybe they're overlooked but that they can actually play a really big role for the Packers in this upcoming game. So, Andrew, who is your X-Factor selection for this NFC Championship edition uh, version of the X-Factor portion of the show? I'm just saying, 49ers Twitter, you want to come at me, you better <laughs> you better not miss, right? You better I, not miss. And speaking of not missing, I hit a home run with my Jimmy Graham pick last week, so I'm feeling a lot of pressure to be right Okay, um, I wasn't on the episode last week, but if I was, 
I would have called you a glutton for punishment because I feel like every single time that we've tried to give Jimmy Graham the benefit of the doubt, whether it be because of a poor defense or a particular matchup that he was facing or whatever, he would always let us down. Every single time. But not this past Sunday because for whatever reason you decided to choose Jimmy Graham again and you absolutely nailed that prediction and Jimmy Certainly picked an incredible game to have arguably his best performance as a Packer. Uh, but as you said, the pressure is on this week because you've set this um, you set this table for yourself to be right as the X Factor genius. So who is the Packers X Factor this week? All right, this this one is <laughs> pointing to the fence, hoping not to strike out. Here goes. Uh, this is my shot in the dark. I am going to pick Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you wanna, do you want to stop? Reaction Can we, stop, can we the, stop the podcast now? <laughs> listen, I have, a just, I have a justification for this. The 49ers have been struggling against number two wide receivers, right? And I think Lazard is probably going to get most of the, the snaps, but he's kind of banged up, right? And that is going to leave a few deep shots available for MVS. And remember, Marquez got behind... He got open behind the San Francisco safeties in November. And then, you know, he showed terrible field awareness as he caught the ball and stride out of the back of the end zone. But their corners are vulnerable and the safeties are going to be focused on stopping Aaron Jones. So give me MVS with one or maybe two big plays. I think Jimmy Graham actually is another fair selection this week. I'd expect him to struggle because, you know, the 49ers have Quan Alexander, they have Fred Warner, but those quick passes over the middle are going to be really important if they hope to set up a deep pass to MVS. So um, I I like him. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but he, he got open a few times against San Fran last time, and he just wasn't on the same page with Rodgers, wasn't necessarily showing great field awareness. I, I think he's got a shot to be really, really impactful in this one. So who, who, do you, who are you thinking for an X Factor? Not MVS. <laughs> thanks oh man alright maybe if we could get in that, some of that sticky stuff from the little giants you know what I'm saying <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know man uh, I just I just don't have a lot of faith in MVS and I don't know that Rodgers has a lot of faith in MVS but man if he hits a deep shot to MVS on Sunday I will uh, give you all the credit in the world and you'll be, be the only person taking it because you're the only one with the guts to say MVS is the X factor. But I'm going to say, I told you guys we'd get back around to some special teams. I'm taking Tyler Irvin as an X factor in this one. And what a fun story for Irvin and what this season has been for him. He gets picked up by Brian Gutekunst midseason. He's been exactly what this team is needed as a return guy. And I just feel like he's due for that big return. Uh, but even if he doesn't break one, field position is going to be a huge, huge factor in this game. And starting at your own 40 instead of your own 25 could be huge in some situations in this game. And I think that Irvin could make something out of nothing in a few spots. And the other thing with Irvin that's kind of crazy is how much he's been used on offense. Not necessarily by snap count, but he's touching the ball and he's making some impact plays out there. And I think that LaFleur and Hackett know the explosive potential that exists when the ball is in Irvin's hands. And so I'm going to say that Tyler Irvin makes a player two Sunday night that we'll look back on as being really impactful in this game uh, that I think would warrant an X-Factor kind of a nomination. Way to go. It's a super safe pick. <laughs> Very appreciative of you leaving me out here on this limb all by myself. You're, you're welcome. Um, 
So that's that's it. We got offensive matchups. We got defensive matchups. We got X factors. But uh, really quick, like, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, we don't have to do predictions if you want to. Go ahead. But um, I mean, how do you how do you see this one playing out? Are we going to see another blowout from the 49ers? Close game. Packers decimating them, burying them under their stadium. Oh man, I think that this game is going to be close. And I said a couple weeks ago that I thought that the Packers would win the divisional round. Um, I thought that they'd get to this game. Um, I wasn't super confident that they could play past this game or play, you know, like and get a win this week, but. They played a better football game last week, and I think that things are starting to click. I think Aaron Rodgers is getting hot, and I think that they just have kind of that look in their eye as a collective team that looks like a team that, that knows that they've been snubbed just about on every every award that could possibly be given out. These guys are feeling it. They have something to prove. And so I think that this is a close game. It wouldn't shock me if it went either way, um, but I, I think that this is going to come down to a field goal kind of a game, and I'll say something like a 23-20 game. And I'm not going to pick against the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to say they win it. Yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, I think you know, there's there's reason for optimism where you know the national media is is certainly very negative to to Green Bay, and it it sort of makes sense to go with that storyline, even if it is a little bit lazy, right? The Packers get destroyed in November. The 49ers are bringing back D Ford and Quan Alexander um, and uh, their safety who is escaping my mind right now. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. They're, they're healthier and they already had a significant win. But, you know, I think if anybody listened to yesterday's episode, Dusty Evely did a fantastic job of really breaking down how that first half just went like atrociously. Everything that could go wrong for Green Bay went wrong. And that I was actually planning on, on doing a similar thing, but he did such a good job. I just scrapped the project. And, <laughs> and I think... You know, that's one thing to take a look at. Another thing to consider, you mentioned Tyler Irvin, right? So the Packers go from an atrocious negative, just like a horrifying historical bad play from the return game. And now they've turned that into, if if nothing else, a slight positive. Um, they've taken, you know, Alex Light snaps, filling in for Brian Belago, which was a catastrophically bad, um, and replaced it with not only... Belaga himself, but then also they have the insurance plan in Jared Valdir. Um, I think the Packers in a lot of areas have gone from places where they weren't particularly good and and made that at least uh, you know middle of the road, um, and they they've gotten better in some areas. And Aaron Rodgers right now is starting to get hot. The second half against Detroit, I said. I think something clicked there, and he almost went into playoff mode starting at that moment. I was a little worried with a week off, but he he came out firing against the Seahawks, and I'm expecting to see a really good Aaron Rodgers, and I think that bridges a lot of the, of the gaps. So the 49ers went from, you know, pretty good backup defensive lineman into D Ford, who is better than good. Um, but that <laughs> is that that much of a significant increase, right? Like their backup linebacker is not that bad. Um, they they do have um, some weaknesses on this team, whether you want to believe the national media who thinks that they're perfect or not. And, and I think there is some vulnerability. That being said, Green Bay can't make mistakes. When they get in the red zone, they have to score touchdowns. When the 49ers get in the red zone, they have to make some stops. They're going to have to turn Jimmy G over. He's going to give you those opportunities, but you have to capitalize. Can't let the ball go right through your hands, Kevin King. <laughs> you know I like Kevin King. That, that yeah. wasn't fair. But 
Um, I, seriously, it's the playoffs. You have to take advantage of those situations. You can't let the 49ers put the gra- uh, put the ball on the ground twice and recover their own fumbles like they did the first time around. So um, if they take advantage of the turnover battle, if they can can score in the red zone, they make their kicks, those kind of things, this is going to be a close game. And, and you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say field goal, last-second field goal, um, you know, coming right down to the wire. I think the Packers are going to get out to a little bit of a lead in this game, and I think they're going to have to if they have any chance of winning. I think, you know, you have to keep the 49ers from controlling the tempo of the game. I think if they get out to a little bit of a lead, I think it's a struggle in the second half to maintain that. But if this team has shown me anything, they will come up big when they need it the most. If it's a last drive from Rodgers, if it's the defense making one more stop, I believe in this team, and and I actually think they're going to win. And uh, they may destroy me internally, <laughs> but I'm I'm really optimistic about it. So, any any last points? Yeah, I mean, I, the only other thing we haven't really talked about is I think that the the team has grown since week 12 um, in some pretty significant ways. We know that they had the team meeting, uh, players only team meeting, and they've talked about how much that that has helped. Uh, communication on defense. Aaron Rodgers has talked about how they've streamlined things on offense and really simplified things uh, with installs and practices and things like that. That's just made this, uh, they've really cut down on the mistakes on those kinds of things. And this is all post uh, week 12 that he's talked about these things. And so I really think that this is a different kind of a team that's coming into this game and one that we can really expect a cleaner performance, a higher energy performance, and a bunch of guys that really don't want to go home losing. So, again, anything can happen, uh, but we're both feeling pretty good about this game on Sunday. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll, I'll say the Packers have more players who have been in these situations than, than the 49ers do, although both rosters kind of inexperienced and in, in that form, but I think the, the Packers have the players at the right positions who are more experienced. And um, one of the things that really struck me Saturday when, when the Vikings and the 49ers were were uh, getting ready to start, the announcers just kept talking about how loose the 49ers were, right? But I, I just felt like everything they were doing to act loose was very manufactured. Um, you know, all, their players were trying to act really cool, and they actually came out and didn't play very well at the beginning of that game. Um, whereas the Packers playing loose, you know, you see Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones dancing before the game and warm-ups. You see Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, um, you know, just getting everybody on the defense pumped up and ready to go. And I, I just feel like it's a more natural sense and you know that that doesn't mean that one team should be favored over the other but I think when it gets down to that crunch time I I trust the Packers play well I've seen it all season and yeah the 49ers have done the same thing but um I I don't think they've had to like kind of hold on to that victory with every ounce in their fingers and just grasp it you know like like the Packers have so many countless times it gives me heart palpitations but I, I, I think that kind of experience is invaluable when it comes down to these critical moments. And and I'm I'm happy to be here, but I also <laughs> expect really good things. So um, we'll we'll certainly see what happens. But that's all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Punnett. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. 49er fans, I just trashed your team. That's at Andrew Mertig. 
<laughs> Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe to Wraith Podcast if you like what we're doing. On tomorrow's episode, we'll get an update on the injury report for Sunday's game. That's going to be a really important one. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we're going to be back previewing the Packers Super Bowl matchup in Miami. So thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.